everybody, I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirit Chat, and we believe in 100% life, 100% inner world, and 100% outer world. You know, and I'm really excited, if you guys can't tell, I have this really new mic, and I think it sounds great. I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit deeper. Um, so hopefully you guys can all hear the difference. Hallie, can you hear the difference? Well, we normally record on the Roadcaster, which sounds even better than the one you're currently on. Does it, see, I was curious. Does it sound better <laughs> so, on the Roadcaster? Yeah, so Devin, not- Devin, does it sound better? Which one sounds better? I'm just curious. Adam, you sound great. Now we know, just need to get Holly. Yes. yes, yeah. But the Roadcaster is better. That is. Well, the Roadcaster too is, has, um, I like having to be able to listen uh, with the headset on when you're doing a podcast. But, um, you know, today we're, oh, we're doing yeah. this. Yeah, we're at home. We have a, we're actually bringing in, it's pretty cool. We're bringing in for anybody that, uh, um, has kids in school likes to contribute to him we there's an individual his name's tom murphy who we have sponsored before he's spoken to almost three million kids about anti-bullying and gives people the models tools and systems his company's called sweethearts and heroes and so we're bringing him into the um, elementary school where my kids go today so uh, i'm super excited to to listen to tom and if if you have any interest in learning more about him you can check out the show notes or again you can go to sweetheartsandheroes.com and um, he's great but today we're really gonna um we're gonna hone in uh, and talk about kind of the eight kind of, I don't want to say bullet points, but eight ways to kind of really maintain um, kind of what the next generation of leaders is going to look like, really like consciousness and leadership. Like, what does it actually mean? I think people use concepts um, around big words and spirituality and people get lost in the kind of the abstract concepts of these things in terms of, uh, what does that word actually mean? Or how do I actually bring that into life? Or, uh, you know, the other thing I've, I had somebody reach out to me a couple of days ago, actually over the weekend and they, and they, their text was like, look, like I do really, really good when I'm meditating and I do like, I'm really good if I'm journaling and I'm there. But the minute I get outside of that, it's like the rest of the world shows up. And all of a sudden when I'm there, like it's very difficult for me to maintain uh, a level of kind of what, if they will say like awareness, right? That I'm, that I'm aware that I'm aware and I get caught up. And remember how a lot of this has to do with the fact that um, consciousness wants to identify with whatever you're paying attention to. So that's why people can get caught up so much in roles and what they what they are is because consciousness has a nature of wanting to identify with ever whatever you're staring at and putting your energy to. That's why the other way you can say it is the strongest desire in, in a human is to stay consistent with who they think they are. That's because they're paying attention to who they think they are. And then they put their consciousness on it as well, too. But if you just break down the words for a second, it's like self-concept should describe that it is a concept that is not the self. <laughs> I mean, that is what the, the sentence says. It's a self-concept. It's a made-up mirage of a concept of who you think you are, and then you've attached yourself to that. And then it can get further because in the outer world, the 100% outer world, you now develop that, that material side, the physical side of who you think you are. So again, if you think you're a certain business professional, you probably start dressing like the way they are. If you're a certain athlete, you start dressing like that. And the fact of what you're doing in the physical side or the manifestation side doesn't matter whether or not you're actually dressing like a business person. If you're going skiing, wearing the equipment on there, it's the identification with any of that of thinking that is actually who you are. Because the reality is, is you have many, many different roles that you've had in your life. When you were six, I remember I was like either six or seven. I remember dressing up, wanting to be like an army ranger or like a Navy SEAL. I don't think I even knew Navy SEALs at the time. 
So I got all this army gear, right? And I just, I wore it all day, like the schools, everywheres. And I had identified as being kind of like this army ranger. And I think it's, it's, we look back and as a kid, we can do that, but we we're also doing that now. Um, and so part of, of kind of walking through what it means to be a conscious leader is to also starting with this awareness that I need to bring some level of awareness into my day outside of the daily practices, which they're called the practice for a reason doesn't mean it's perfect that you're doing. And that daily practice could be, you know, it could be exercise, it could be meditation, it could be journaling, it could be reading, whatever those type of things. It could be, you know, moving, uh, you know, I've had, you know, people talk about setting a timer for every 20 minutes to bring awareness to them, just to bring back the fact that they're not fully concentrated on this. Um, so the first step, and, and it's not the first bullet point, but the first kind of overarching concept when you bring this into leadership is this awareness. And they just, Awareness isn't like, hey, I'm aware there's a tree there, right? Hey, I'm aware that I'm talking to this, this other person. It's awareness of, of, look, here's another way of saying it. Language is so important for us. If, if we're in a situation where we're, we're angry at work or irritated or frustrated at work, the minute you say, I'm, I am angry, you've now identified with anger versus you could say, hey, you don't have to say, hey, you could say, I am experiencing anger, which is a completely different um, object-subject relationship versus an identification with something. So the first step, and because you're, you're not going to control your emotions, they just they come and go. And by the way, being a spiritual individual has nothing to do with the fact of whether or not you should have good or positive emotions all the time. The, nobody controls any of those things; they just show up, right? Like you could be having be perfectly fine. And then whatever emotion kind of shows up in there, it's being able to objectively look and go, huh, wow, I'm really experiencing jealousy right now because my partner held the door open for somebody. Like that's, I didn't think I had jealousy in me anymore. That was 10 years ago was the last time I felt that way. Right. And so it's just, you become there. So it's, it's you having this objective awareness of it. And so when we think about the word awareness, that's what you're doing or presence in that word the, where you actually are working on awareness or working on presence is using that language in there. So the next time you feel an emotion, you could say, wow, I'm experiencing this uplifting inspiration, right? I'm experiencing this anger inside me right now. That's, that is, that right there is presence is awareness in actually like when the rubber meets the road, that's what you actually start doing. Okay. Now with that behind us, right? Um, we like to think about the next generation of leaders and particularly in business uh, or in any facet are not just as committed to bottom lines, profit numbers, but they're also committed to this kind of holistic inner world as well too. So Hallie, I know that I'm just chatting for a little bit. What is number one here? The kind of the eight signs that you're either growing or need to grow into and from conscious leadership. I'm going to back up just a little bit first. No, you can't. <laughs> well, I'm going to anyway. All right. Um, because I think, well, I thought that last little piece that you just said, I think is just really important context that we just want to, I just want to stop for a second and make sure people heard, which is that this whole, this whole next generation of business leaders are going, must be just as concerned with yeah. their spiritual growth and personal growth and, and consciousness of themselves and their, their team, um, as they are with, with the bottom line for a couple of different reasons, um, the main one being that is the way that is where 
I think our whole culture and society is going right now. Now that may shift again in the future as it's shifting back towards that right now. But because that's the world that we exist in, I think it's just so important for uh, leaders to be aware of that. I was um, talking to a coaching client yesterday and she was saying that she was just, you know, having a conversation with her leader about the fact that, you know, employees can work wherever they want. And the majority of them want to be working with compassionate, conscious, self-aware leaders who believe in some sort of bigger mission or purpose or or vision. And she was just kind of reminding him that, you know, hey, people have options today and that's totally fine. It just might mean our candidate pool is going to be a lot smaller if you don't choose to work on your own conscious leadership. So it is, it's a conscious choice to work on conscious leadership. But my leaning is, that that's where leaders should be going right now if they want to um, attract the the best and highest level of talent and, and keep people around for a while and, and have everyone working towards a common mission and vision. So, yeah. Um, and then the one other thing I wanted to say before we Very got true. Into, yeah, before we got into the eight ways was that the conscious leadership is made, made up of three main areas. And you touched on one of them, which is this whole concept of awareness. Yeah. And then the other two is are knowing that you can engage with the mind as a tool, but you don't have to be ruled by it. And then being able to stay centered no matter what comes your way. So those three are the main areas of conscious leadership and what it means to be a conscious leader. And then we can get into the eight ways that uh, that happens or that we make it happen. Number one is that conscious leaders stay neutral. What does that mean to you? Well, I'm going to just read an excerpt from the, I really want. <laughs> um, uh, so that means that. Well, uh, how, well, let me ask you a better question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of what it means to you is how do you, how do you stay neutral? Yeah. Well, as we know, there's, there's so many different things that come your way in business that that's why, and you've said this over and over again, that's why business is the best way to work on yourself and your inner and your inner growth and your inner world, because there's so many things that are coming at you constantly in the business world. It's a test of your patience and your willpower and your resilience and your confidence and, and all, all the things. Um, so one of the things that I always teach others and really work on for myself is um, having little reset times, even if it's like 60 seconds in between meetings so that you always have a time to get back to neutral. So like having a 60 second recentering practice is a, is a big one for me where maybe you just do a quick, uh, the three, two, one relax, or you do a quick little breathing exercise, or you take a lap around the office, whatever it is you need to do to just bring yourself back to a neutral state before you go into that next meeting or onto that next phone call where maybe you're about to fire somebody and then you need to recenter yourself because then the next conversation is that you maybe need to go give somebody a raise. Or then the next meeting is that you need to go negotiate a contract and you have to tell them that you want 50% off or you're not going to um, continue working with them. You know, so you it's all these ups and downs. So, so whatever you can do to bring yourself back to neutral consistently, um, I think it's really important. I think, you know, it's very well said. I think the other way to think about this is just also is asking the question. You can take the the phrase, you know, conscious leader, stay neutral and just basically ask, ask that as a question when you, you know, think of it as like an anchor point as like every time you walk into a door, you know, there's this whole thing that's this magic invention called a sticky note, right? That you can grab a sticky note and put on your computer and put it on there and just say, am I neutral right now? 
Mm. And basically it's just a great way of just a reminder of, because part of that's also when you're neutral, you're aware, you have more clarity, you have more presence, it's kind of all of them kind of wrap up in the one bow. But the reality is, is when you can, when you just can remind yourself constantly, so you can just ask that. And particularly when you're about to respond to an email, it doesn't, you know, people always go to like, oh, when you're about to fire somebody, it's, it doesn't always have to do about that. It's like just every, every moment it could be on a good thing, like going in with a client. Am I neutral? Because if you're not, you may, you may overpromise something because you're so excited and all of a sudden that backfills you. So it's not always on the kind of more challenging news side of things. It's, it's an anything that you're going into is like this constant reminder of like, am I neutral right now? Or am I, have I identified with the, the, the emotion that, that is happening inside this inner world right now? So that's kind of step one. And there's a good way of doing it. Turn that into a question, which is just, am I neutral right now? That's number one. Number two is conscious leaders are very self-aware. Um, self-aware, you know, I, I has this, I think it's, it's tricky to identify. Like people want to know, like, what does it mean to be self-aware? And, and, and in my experience, people, um, will only admit about 20 or 30% of what they're self-aware about to, to then be able to tell somebody that they recognize that they're self-aware. So as an example, you may wake up and go, no, like, you know, I'm doing this exercise, like I'm pretty self-aware and here are three things that I know that I, that I need to really work on. Um, and, and they kind of throw that out there as a way of almost like, don't look at the rest of my self-awareness, but look at this because I'm willing to share this and kind of get out there so you kind of distract you from the deeper part. But being self-aware is honestly taking an objective viewpoint. So it's as if you were looking at somebody else as you're looking at your own actions and why the actions are happening the way they are. Um, Everyone has a has a nature to it. So it's not necessarily what that is. It's more about... um, being aware of that I get angry when this happens or being aware that I make this decision every time I, I don't, you know, have a good night's sleep or I don't meditate or that I, I, you know, when I'm around this person, I make a poor decision or I get really anxiousness when I go into this meeting or when I get on camera, I get more nervous or whatever it is. You just becomes very self-aware of, of your habits. It's not you. It's just, you become aware of what they are and not in a way that you shouldn't have, that you should have like try to avoid them, but just in a way that you become aware so that you don't fall into the trap of being identified with one of those um, uh, areas where you, where you're not self-aware. What would you say about that, Hallie? Oh, um, yeah, I was just going to add that. And I think it goes for all of these things, but I was going to just bring it up with the self-awareness that conscious leaders are teaching their team members or their employees or their family or whoever it is that they're leading their conscious leaders are also teaching the people in their life, all of these concepts. So they're also teaching their team members how to be self-aware they're teaching their team members how to stay neutral but i mean that's what leadership is right it's creating other leaders and conscious leadership is creating other conscious leaders yeah I love number three conscious leaders serve and contribute you know um i once heard michael singer talk talk about how he would never even use the word service uh, or contribution Um, for what it is. He said it's at some level, those words get dropped away. He's not, look, and he uses them still, but he said at a really deep level, it's not even service or contribution. It's actually just what you're doing. Um, And it's not, you wouldn't label it as contribution or serving because it's like, you know, he used the analogy, I think of just like an apple tree that it drops the apples isn't really 
wouldn't consider itself serving or contributing. It's just, it's just what its nature is doing here. Um, we don't have to go to that context with it, but that service and contribution just means I'm going to let go of the personal outcome for me. And I'm going to show up and serve in a way that I, that I know that I can make a difference for the organization, for my customer or my client or what's there. Now, look, it doesn't mean that you just don't take money or that you let, you know, you work for free or do different things. There's a mechanical nature to this. But the key here is, is what part of you is doing the work, right? Are you doing the work purely only for you? And if you do, right, there's a part of you that will um, come across and will be self-serving. By the way, ego is not just the macho bravado individual. That's just a form of a power, more of a a louder ego, um, because there's quieter egos that show up there as well, too. Ego is, there's a way I want the world to be. And it needs to be that way. It's simple as that. And that can be in business. That can be in how you want your kids to behave. That can be, you know, the roles that you play. That could be how you want the weather to be. All of that stuff. That's just, that's just what it is. And so when you really break it down and, you, and you're able to serve and contribute, you kind of, you, 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 it actually gets you out of the whole mindset of thinking like I'm showing up for work, which is an expenditure of energy to get a monetary reward, right? If you look at that definition of work that way, really service and contribution is more of just like, I'm in this moment. I'm being asked to hold this door or I hold this door for somebody or I I walk by and, you know, I happen to see this piece of trash and I grab it and you don't tell anybody that's just kind of service in there. Or you show up in a meeting and let's say you've got to actually let somebody go. Just kind of use that as an example. Well, there's a way you can be conscious while you're doing any of this. If the organization is in a downturn and there's, there's changes that have to be made in this world, you've got to make those decisions, right? But you can, you're not doing it because you didn't like the person or whatever it was, you're just doing it from differently. The key is, is when you think about serve and contribute and then how you can add your, your take to this because it may be a little bit different, which is this, what part of you is doing it again? And I think, you know, when we think about practicing and doing your best is in showing up that way and the amount of time you're willing to do that in is, is is wonderful. It doesn't mean it's about in the Bhagavad Gita talks a lot about service and contribution, with letting go of what they call the fruit of your action. And the fruit of the action just is some material war or reward, right? Or for what it is. And, and the thing is, is in most deep individual teachers will tell you that the minute you actually show up with that intention, even the, the putting your star there, it actually, you end up getting what you wanted, right? It ends up supporting you in a way that you never thought was there or ends up taking you down a different path. What would you say to that, Hallie? I'm not sure I would add too much more to that. I just think it, like in such a simple term, it's for me, it's just like, you're not worried about what you can get from other people or what you can get from various situations. You're really, it, I don't want to say selfless because that's not the right word there, but just doing like, like you said, like you're just the apple in the apple, yeah. in the apple tree. You're yeah. just there. You're just serving with the whatever's in front of you in the moment, but not worrying about trying to get something from somebody else. And I mean, you know, you know, when people are doing that too. Yes, that's, you that's, feel it. it's so obvious. I can feel when I'm doing it, even yes. though. That's self-awareness. Yes. Yeah. Not as in, you know, maybe unintentionally, but like I can yes. feel when I'm having that sort of energy, like, oh, I really need this from this person. And I hate that sort of energy when it happens yeah. because it doesn't really feel, it doesn't feel great when I'm trying to get something from somebody in that way. Um, and then I immediately 
make sure that I, you know, go back to neutral and recenter myself and say, okay, let me approach this from a different way. Yeah, that's, that's great. Number four, conscious leaders let go of the outcome, which is really kind of goes along with what we've been saying here. But letting go of the outcome doesn't mean you don't have a goal for the outcome. It doesn't mean you don't hold yourself to a level of standards that you do. It's just, you know, um, Phil Knight talked a lot about this, right, in his book, um, or uh, 11 Rings, Phil Jackson, sorry, Phil Jackson. Jackson. I always say Phil Knight for some reason. He just did Nike because I always want to think of Nike. But Phil Jackson, when he wrote the book 11 Rings, his bit, and this was back in the late 90s, you know, he had players meditating on the plane he would give them books of Rumi, who's uh you know a poet you know a couple hundred years ago he was he would actually teach a lot of this stuff back in the day when it really wasn't popular anyways his big his big thing was we would work really hard in practice we would study game films we would do this and the minute we got into the game we would let go of the outcome and people would interviews would ask him like why would you let go of the outcome he goes well it's just way more fun to play the game that way and I think that's the, it's a great way of kind of thinking about it in life is like you, it doesn't mean you don't prepare. It doesn't mean you don't have a goal. It doesn't mean you don't, if somebody says, would you like to win the game? It's not like, I don't know. I don't really care. No, it's like, yeah, sure. I would love to win the game, but I'm going to let go of the outcome of what this is, is right. I'm going to let go of the outcome. If I don't, that way I'm not identified with having to win the game. Sure. Would I like it to be a certain weather every day? Cause it'd be great. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. But like, you're not going to get riled up about it. You let kind of let go of what that is. It's the same thing. When you, the minute you let go of making, if you're faced with making a very difficult decision in business and the minute you can let go of the outcome as it relates to you personally, remember that is a key thing here because most people are concerned with the outcome of how it relates to them. Um, not always, but the majority of the time when they, when people are looking at that, you're, you're, you want to control the outcome to how it really benefits you. And whether you're really going to be honest about that is a different question, but that's what people are really there. And that's why when you serve and contribute, when we're talking about number three, it goes to, goes with number four of letting go of the outcome. And then you just show up and contribute. So you actually say what needs to be said in the meeting. You take the action that needs to be said in the meeting. You take the feedback that needs to be heard in the meeting without being riled up. You know, somebody sent me an email yesterday or on Monday and they said, Hey, you know, I didn't want to share this, you know, over vacation, which by the way, every time I go on vacation, I know I'm going to show up that morning or whatever it is. And I'm going to get hit with something because it's impossible for a week to go by without something challenging showing up. Right. And they're like, yeah, I didn't want to hit it because it's pretty heavy. And I just wrote back to him like, this isn't heavy at all. Like, this is just a, this is just a challenge that you just go through. And I think that's, that's, that's kind of it. It's like, okay, I see it fine. Like I've, it's not, we can fix it. We make it, we, let's see what we can do about it. And we'll show up the best way we can, but this isn't heavy, right? This isn't heavy at all. It's just something we get to deal with while we're here. Cause you, if you can let go of the outcome, it's no longer binding you to a certain, you're not trying to persuade your anybody to, to taking a certain level of, uh, or action or a certain outcome that needs to happen from this for you to feel okay. That is the key thing to all of this. You should feel okay and then show up and answer the question. Because if you're okay, you do that from a neutral standpoint. When you are neutral in a, in a, in a decision-making process, you actually are letting go of the outcome because you're not looking to be okay inside from the particular outcome that happens. And life is way more fun that way, by the way, way more fun. Business is way more fun that way. 
And guess what? It's not going to go the way you want it to. That's that's not all it is. And sometimes it will. Sometimes it'll go way beyond what you thought it could be. All of those things are going to show up in there. So that's kind of what, when you think about number four, conscious leaders let go of the outcome. That's, that's really what it means there. Five, conscious leaders do not bother themselves about the moment. One of the most powerful lines, and I think the book called Living Untethered, um, Michael Singer's new book, it's actually when Oprah did an interview for him, it's Oprah's favorite line as well, too. And she and she kept highlighting that in his interview. And she said, you know, the moment that the, 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 um, the line that we keep coming back to in this, which is the moment in front of you is not bothering you. You are bothering yourself about the moment. And I actually, I was just doing a podcast earlier today and I actually came up with the analogy when I was doing it, which I think is a good one um, to kind of describe this concept, which is um, one, let's just say, Hallie, you had something in your teeth. Okay. And you didn't know it. And you're in a group of five people and you don't, you, there's something in your teeth currently, but you don't know it. And you're not being bothered by it. Are you? You're just talking the way you are. You're not thinking anything of it for five, 10 minutes goes by until all of a sudden like, it breaks and somebody's like, hey, you know what? You had something in your teeth. And then in that moment, you get bothered, right? I'm not saying you personally, but you just get bothered. You're just like, oh my God, how did I do this? How could I do Whatever it is, or somebody says them to you in that moment, you're bothered from what it was. So it's not the fact that something was in your teeth that bothered you because the fact is for five minutes, it was in your teeth and it wasn't bothering you. In fact, you didn't even think about it, right? It was just, it's just something that was going on right there. But the minute it then affected your identity or how you were reviewed or how you were being validated or checked by somebody else, it instantly bothered you. It doesn't mean you don't take it out of your teeth, but it, it you could get riled up about this whole thing. So it's just a great way of, of the example of that. The moment in front of you is rarely ever bothering you. It's not bothering you. It's you then bother yourself about the moment for a whole host of reasons. And for most of it is because you want to be validated in the way that you are seeing yourself, i.e. that you've attached yourself to a certain identity. Therefore, you have to do it. But that could be, there's other people too, right? That could just, oh, okay, got some of my teeth and they moved on with it. So it's not that it bothers them because well, also what bothers Hallie doesn't bother me, but what bothers me doesn't bother Hallie. So it's not the moment itself or the event that's actually happening that bothers you. So that's why you wake up and go, oh man, this is inside, not outside. And I think this is a great kind of example of that. Anything else to add there, Hallie? Uh, no, just like, it, the, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting how they, I mean, it makes sense that these all play yep. so much into each other because how do you not bother yourself about the moment? Well, you continue to work to stay neutral. You continue to work to let go of the outcome. Um, you continue to be self-aware, you know, all of the things, they just really play into each other. Yeah, yeah. I think number six is pretty self-explanatory, which is conscious leaders are curious. And, and I think the depth of curiosity uh, is wonderful. I mean, just the curious of about how and why you're here. Curious about how the lack of non-doership is doing everything. And what I mean by that is that the fact that we can use microphones to talk and communicate and you can listen to this. The fact that, you know, leaves and are budding on trees now from the sun and the rain, like that's a level of larger curiosity, but then there's this curiosity about who am I? There's a curiosity about who Hallie really is or about what about the depth of your partner, right? Of, of who that is and, and, or the depth of your business. I mean, curiosity is just such a great way and a great perspective uh, it's also a great way to approach problems and challenges and when people bring you things. And so, but it's also a habit. So that's why I mean, like you start with larger things and just becomes 
uh, part of and ingrained with who you are if you just approach things with curiosity. So that way, when, when somebody brings you a challenge, if you instantly side with the person, most likely you've now um, thrown out curiosity when you go and you talk to the other person. And if you've been in business long enough, then you instantly know that everyone's right and everyone's wrong because it's their perception. So your job is to be curious about both sides of things and so that you realize that it's probably somewhere lies within the middle or sometimes it can be 80% one person and 20% the other, right? I'm not gonna say it always lies in the middle, but there's usually elements of truth in both sides. And if you are if you don't stay in curiosity for those things, you can get caught identifying uh, and then having to either apologize or just looking like uh, that you're not uh, staying in curiosity because I think you'd want people to stay in curiosity when they, when they talk about you or, or different things as well. So it's just a great habit to build. Anything out there? Yeah, um, I I just think that really great leaders are both humble and curious, and you really can't have humility without curiosity. I I can't. I think Matthew McConaughey in a recent thing I just did said humility was defined as oh, I'm going to forget what exactly what he said, but basically like humility is just acknowledging the fact that you don't have all the answers. And if that's the case, then you need to be really curious and ask really great questions to, to make the best, to find the best solutions, to find the best answers, to make the best decisions for yourself, for your team, for your, for your company. And you can only do that by going into situations, not thinking that you're right or thinking other people are wrong and genuinely being curious about um, other people and about the situation at hand. Genuinely is the key word that you put in there too, as well. Yes, I think a lot, lot of people that you talk to will say, no, I go in there not wanting to be right. And if you're, this is where that self-awareness example is trying to give. Yeah. You've kind of convinced yourself that you've saying that, but the reality is, is there's energy around a certain particular way you want that conversation to go, or you want it to actually be, um, and, or you've already identified with a particular side. So you're actually not fully curious. Um, you've, you look at yeah. yourself. Yeah. Team members aren't, stupid they know they know when a leader has really already made the decision and they're just asking the question just to ask the question yeah question um okay this is what he i just sorry i just all my notes are humble admitting that we have more to learn and that that is that's it that's what it is yeah yeah i love that Number seven, conscious leaders have a clear vision, right? That's number one is a being an effective leader is understanding where you're going. So the rest of the organization does. Um, and I think that's, that's, you also have a clear vision in terms of, you want to call it a North star or vision of your life, uh, a vision, what attracts people to you, to the organization and to you, not just to you, but to the organization of where you're going and what you're doing. I mean, if you think of like Elon Musk, he's like, I have a vision of living in Mars. I mean, that's a big vision, right? You're going to attract certain people that want to work there. He has a certain work ethic that he requires and that doesn't work for everybody. And that's totally cool. But the people that want to be associated with that are willing to, if you actually listen to the interviews of people that work for SpaceX or different companies that he or, or, or that he that he owns that are doing that, they're like, we we don't mind working twenty hours a week or whatever that is, right? It's just part of one of those things. Or if you want to be, you know, in the special forces, have a certain vision, right? And it requires a tremendous amount of physical exertion and work, right, to be able to do that. And they just accept that that's part of what it is, and nobody's complaining about it because they want to be part of that vision of what it's like for what it is for for those things as well, too. So having this clear vision in in business, right? And I would also say having a clear vision for your 
for your life is really important, not just for your life, but for your family life um, and being very clear for what that is. Um, it just not only does it attract people, but it keeps people focused on all those different things that are there. Last one, conscious leaders lead themselves first. Look, the thing is, is that you can't truly lead somebody effectively if you're not leading yourself. And self-leadership always precedes leadership. And that should really be the phrase that you have there. Self-leadership precedes leadership. Now, this can look differently. This could just be, remember, I, I think of, you know, leadership by the definition is not a noun. I think it is like a verb, more of like an, like a, like getting into action. So leaders get others to take a new level of action that benefits them in the organization, particularly in a business setting for that context, right? So that means that self-leadership puts you to take a new level of action to get better that benefits you in the organization in that business context. So self-leadership means like, what are things that you can do to be a better leader? And that is self-leadership. Example that you can exercise, you can meditate, you can journal, you can read, you can go to conferences, you can, um, you can educate yourself with, with writing, you can read LinkedIn articles. There's a plethora of things that you can do to work on yourself, but it's, you have a clear plan for what that looks like to work on yourself. That is self-leadership because you're creating more input that allows additional output for people that are out there. And you're constantly in that growth mode for what it is. And you, by the way, that will also attract people to organization because they want, they want leaders who are growing at every level. And if you're not willing to do some of that work, you're not growing. Spiritual growth is a leadership practice in itself, right? Meaning just using every part of your of the day in business to release a part of you, three, two, one, relax, let go of the anger that's in there. That is self-leadership at the highest level. I mean, that's a whole separate podcast we could do just on that alone. But self-leadership means that I'm working on myself to become a better individual. I see the word better, just more actually self-leadership is doing the seven things that we just described to, to bring into every day so that you become a more conscious leader. And as you become a more conscious leader, you attract different people, you attract people, they're more loyal to you. And you know what? It's just way more fun to build a business that way. It's way more fun to live your life that way. It doesn't mean there's not going to be a tremendous challenges and uphills, but look, life would be so boring if things just came to you. They just, I promise you they would, right? It, it just, you would get, if you just went out on a sports team and every day you won a hundred to zero, you would stop playing, right? You just would. If every day you were just given a million dollars a day. Now I know when I say that people would go to give it on. I promise you after a year, you, what do you really do? Like you just, I promise you would just get, you'd want some challenge in your life or something along those lines. So conscious leaderships focus on themselves and then bringing these, these kind of eight components together is what conscious leaders of the next generation um, are is what's going to lead the next level of businesses and also um, integrate that to uh, their families. And as Howie said earlier, earlier, helping teach and train these particular concepts in the business world because it helps them serve clients better, helps them have better relationships with employees, helps have better relationships with their with their selves and with their families, which is business can be this conduit for everyone's personal and spiritual growth, especially if we're really conscious on ourselves and consciously teaching these these components. Hey everybody, before you go, Helen and I wanted to ask you for a favor. As business owners, you understand that reviews and testimonials are an essential part of growing your business and reaching new audiences. Well, from two business owners to another, we would be incredibly grateful 
if you could support us by leaving a review. It does really help us get the podcast in the hands of other conscious business owners. So thank you. Thank you.